This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. The Red Bull Rant is a free-flowing conversation amongst three lifelong wackos that may contain adult language. Listener discretion is advised. From the Suburban Sprawl of New Jersey, this is the Red Bull Rant, Yanks Go Marching Edition, Volume 2. I'm your host, Pat McDonald, and for those of you who listened to the last episode, you may be expecting the voice of my good friend Chris Kaminsky. Unfortunately, his regular real-life job swallowed him whole this week, and uh, he was unable to make the show. So with me for this episode is from Once a Metro and his own podcast, Furacine's Fire, Dan Furacine. Dan, how you doing? I am doing absolutely fantastic, Pat, and I got to tell you, I know we're going to talk about the USA, but how about history being made in the Copa America, a nation in South America that loves baseball, that enjoys their heroes, especially uh, someone that used to play for the New York Mets and got the first ever no-hitter from Mets history and Johan Santana. Venezuela does the impossible. Not only do they def- de- uh, they beat Uruguay 1-0, they're going to the quarterfinals. It's just an unbelievable moment seeing what has happened here in this Copa America tournament. Absolutely. I mean, that you, you and I, we just we just watched the game together at the end of the game at the on-air here, or off-air, I should say. And, uh, I mean, that what a hell, a hell of a game. I mean, you know, and considering everything that's going on back home in Venezuela, I mean, you got to be like – at least the people down there, if they were able to get to a television, had some kind of respite tonight to see them score the huge upset against Uruguay. And then Uruguay, you know, backs against the wall now for, I mean, they need should make it a win to have any chance, any remote chance of making the knockout rounds for the, uh, for the Copa America. You know, it's tough to see Uruguay going out like this because mm-hmm. obviously no Luis Suarez because of the injury. He was warming up even though his name was not on the substitutes list. So mm-hmm. I don't even know why he was even warming up. I don't know why they even told him to warm up. And uh, there's a <laughs> shot of him really being upset. And he's yelling at the coaching staff, smacking the side of the uh, the protective cover to let them know he was not happy that he wasn't being subbed in when you're not on the substitutes list. I don't understand why he's upset by this. He knew he wasn't going to be in there. I don't know why, but obviously it is the, uh, the, the warrior in him, the competitive player that he is. And now um, who knows if he might accept uh, uh, a starting role, a starting position for the final group stage game when Uruguay takes on Jamaica, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but you know, Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, Jamaican can, can, can score an upset that nobody sees him scoring tonight. Um, then Uruguay has a very, very slim chance of uh, advancing. Uh, and then I guess, yeah, I guess you could consider putting uh, Suarez in. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we shall see. I, although I will say if I'm Edson Cavani, I'm not going back to Uruguay anytime soon after no, having that. That that clear <laughs> chance at the end of the game. Oh boy, I bet he's looking for the first flight back to France. <laughs> back to, head on back to uh, PSG, and uh, where he'll be leading uh, the uh, Ibrahimovic less Paris Saint Germain. But uh, <laughs> I don't understand how he's missed that chance. I mean, he had a point blank shot, Pat, and Ugh. he shanks it wide right of the near post. That is just unbelievable what you saw there. I can't believe he missed. 
Oh, total golden opportunity miss. I'm sure he'll be uh, replaying that one in his head to, uh, for many months to come, maybe until the start of the league one season. Uh, it's That's a tough one to go. <laughs> it really is. It really is. But you know what, though? Here's not what's so tough. Uh, the United States uh, trouncing Costa Rica 4-0. Uh, yep. Congratulations to Clint Dempsey, not only converting the penalty to make it 1-0, but his 50th career national team goal for mm -hmm. his country. Uh, obviously the second American player to reach 50 goals. He is seven behind Landon Donovan. Obviously it's uh, not a tough task with a couple of uh, more games, of course. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, seeing that goal being converted, you can tell Costa Rica was deflated after mm -hmm. allowing the penalty. And I know they were questioning the referee why the call was late, but the truth is it was the correct call. It was Absolutely. a push on Bobby Wood in the area. He was shoved down. Not too hard, but still, though, you put yourself in a position to shove down an opponent in your area, you're going to get called for a penalty. Well, let's no, no two words about it. Yeah, And uh, kudos to Bobby Wood for embellishing just a little bit to make sure that they got that penalty. <laughs> uh, but it was it was absolutely a penalty, and I think you're right. I think you know Costa Rica clearly came out of the game all cylinders firing uh, for the first twenty or so minutes, and I think they clearly expected to that, and it certainly did catch the United States off guard. I don't think they expected it whatsoever. Um, you know, they they struggled a little bit to cope with it, uh, but for the most part, handling it aside from a uh, DeAndre Yedling shank um, early there, and they managed to fight back and counter. Once they, after about seven, eight minutes, they slowly but surely started to take control of the match. And it resulted in that penalty kick. Um, and, and like you said, I think after that, uh, you know, Costa Rica kind of went out all for it in that first 20 minutes. And then after that, they were just deflated for sure. Absolutely. I think you hit, hit it right on the head. The United States, the bread and butter formation has always been the 4-4-2. I understand Jurgen Klinsmann was trying to get the United States out of their comfort zone, trying to get them to try something different. And we're not against him trying something different as long as it works. I know he tried to do a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-5-1. It didn't seem to work at that time uh, to have a lone striker. It doesn't work to have a lone striker. You need at least two strikers to be up top whether it's Altidore, which unfortunately is hurt. Bobby Wood seems to have, for now, taken over Josie's spot. Mm -hmm. um, Clint has to be up top. He always has to be up top. Whether you want someone to be uh, a distributing midfielder behind Dempsey or make Dempsey the distributing midfielder to be up top in a 4-3-3 with two strikers on the wings, I mean, that's fine too. So seeing them in a 4-3-3 is different. Mm -hmm. It's it looks like now they're, they're finally getting used to it, though. Let's see what happens against Paraguay. We'll talk about that in a moment. 4-3-3 um, three, three right now looks to be okay. Long term, let's see what happens. But for now, I think I like it. And secondly, how about Jermaine Jones? Oh, yeah. This guy, we've known him to be a destroying midfielder. You know, don't, watch out. Here comes Jermaine. He's on your heels. <laughs> He's going to tackle you. You know he's going to tackle you. And then all of a sudden, now being with the Colorado Rapids and being more, I think Pablo Mastroeni might have unlocked something. And, you know, let's give Pablo some credit here for the Rapids in Major League Soccer because obviously Jermaine Jones, he saw the goal he scored against Portugal to make it 1-1 yep. in the World Cup two summers ago. I mean, that was a fantastic strike that he nailed uh, to level that match up. If Jermaine Jones has been rediscovering something brand new, a little more offensively, which we know he has some ability, 
But if you let him become that winger and let him score goals, I mean, this is an added bonus. And maybe, just maybe, the fire cleansman chance and the banners might be thrown into the garbage if this new Jermaine Jones is going to keep Jurgen Klinsmann around. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Clint, uh, Jones is certainly tapped into something of late. I mean, I don't think he was as bad as people said he was uh, against uh, Colombia, and then he was clearly, you know, one of, if not the MVP of the match uh, this past week against Costa Rica. I mean, he certainly had that passing ability. His, he, as you can see, much like the goal he had against Portugal, um, you know, you can fire that thing from the top of the corner. It's funny, he had a shot, if I'm not mistaken, right before the one that he did put away from a similar mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. and just missed it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, but that destroying aspect is still there. Even though he's in a more advanced threat role, he still is destroying. That's what's great about this guy. He's got a high motor. Uh, I made a joke last week on the show that he has a – it came to my knowledge from the Planet Football podcast on Sports <laughs> Illustrated. He is a vegan. So I, I think it's his vegan powers or it's what's keeping him going. It could at, be. Uh, it could at, be. You never know. <laughs> you know, he's got magical vegan powers keeping him going at 35. Um, Absolutely. You know, he could be the engine that could for this, uh, for this, go, uh, for this Copa, you know. Um, you know, I don't know how much the U.S. can rely on him in two years, but, I mean, that's – we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Absolutely. Uh, and but, yeah, absolutely. He's been on fire. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, for now, it's he's been doing very well. Um, you know, the one thing I've always been complaining about, and it is about Michael Bradley just a little bit, not too much. Obviously, we know Michael Bradley can distribute the ball. We know Bradley can score from anywhere on the field, including those uh, Olympicos from the corners. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I continue to be a little worried about is he's coming in from a very deep midfield position. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's time for Michael, if you're going to have a 4-3-3, mm -hmm. don't let him come up the middle of the field so deep because that you got two midfielders that could be defensive midfielders as well if you have to do so. Um, I mean, the whole back in the day, the empty bucket formation, Michael Bradley's defensive midfielder, you know, he's bringing the ball up. He has capabilities of setting up, crossing, and scoring. He should at least be further up near the front line, near the strikers, because that's where I see him the most valuable. I, I'm just sick and tired of seeing him starting up, starting out in a very deep midfield position where he should not be. Now, I, if you, you know, yeah, I mean, I actually do like him at the six. I, I, I mean, I think long term, I'd like to see him more of an eight, a box to box guy. Um, you know, it, it's just that in terms of what you have. Uh, that position. I mean, sure, we have um, um, blanking on his name. Perry Kitchen is on the mm -hmm. roster. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could put him maybe the long term. He's the six. He's the solution to six. You can move Bradley up to the eight. Kyle Beckerman, I think his best days are behind him. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, he had a hell of a World Cup in 2014, and I think that he can certainly, you know, pin his cap on that. No doubt about that. But right now, I think Bradley is your six. Um, because if for no other reason. Jermaine Jones, I think, is also very capable of playing the six. Uh, but Bradley seems to be the one who will listen when he says, stay home in front of the back line, you know? Jones, Absolutely. Jones certainly has that, you know, freelance attitude. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when he's he's given that role in the eight position, it, it certainly it works more than if the six, when he's completely out of position, the back line is uh, wide open, you know? So – 
you know, M Michael Bradley, I think, you know, had a terrible game against Columbia. I think he had a nice back, uh, you know, uh, you know, return to form uh, against Costa Rica for sure. Um, and I think at least for the duration of this tournament, I mean, you know, you definitely want to keep him there for now. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, another pet peeve I have mm -hmm. is, of course, Graham Zuzzi. Um, I don't know why he's now coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Klinsman feels more comfortable with what he has right now out mm -hmm. there in this 4-3-3. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing Graham Zuzzi getting a start, to be honest with you. I'd rather absolutely. see Graham Zuzzi get out there because, let's be honest, his crossing ability is absolutely fantastic. His free kicks are fabulous, yep. especially over at the corners. Um, and when he is motoring for a goal, he wants it. He mm -hmm. wants it so badly. And yep. you know what? I really think it's time. And who knows? We'll see what happens in two or three years down the road. But uh, depending on what happens uh, in this roster, I, I think Graham Zuzzi deserves to get another start whenever he gets uh, the opportunity. And I think he should get the opportunity right away. Yeah, I actually would not – be surprised or think it was such a bad idea and we'll talk a bit more about it you know going forward if he got the start against paraguay because i think i mean it's tough because you don't want to sleep on paraguay but it is a winnable match the thing mm -hmm. is you've got clint dempsey and you've got jermaine jones who are both on the wrong side of 30. it might be wise to give them a rest it might be wise to keep have them as bench options against paraguay um or play them for 45 minutes and some out go all out one half and then take him out um yeah but I, i'm with you i mean i think zussi i mean i've been calling for christian Pulisic, but i mean i think it's clear that's not happening at this point but if you, if you want to have more that the right now the biggest weakness for the united states even in that four win, four nothing win is the wing play i mean grant chigas is not a winger uh you know uh, bobby wood is not a winger i mean he scored his goal when he was moved centrally you know so it, it, it's i think Zardes in particular is the weakest link on this team. I think Graham Zusi, the biggest knock on him, he's not flashy. And so what? You know, so what? Sometimes that's what you need for the United States national team. You need the guy who just does the nitty gritty. And I think he does it. You know, like you said, he's got great crosses and he's a more complete winger. He can track back. He can go forward. Uh, I'm with you. I, I definitely think he's somebody who should be getting a start. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, we all know, well, once again, about Zardes, and I have a friend in Los Angeles who is a big Galaxy fan. Of course, he has his own uh, radio show in uh, L.A. on uh, 710 ESPN Radio. Dave Denholm is soccer show over with ESPN Radio at 710 AM in L.A., and even he says it. Uh, Zardes is not a winger, and uh, listen, it, unfortunately, Pat, it's depth chart, and mm -hmm. Zardes, while he has reached a certain potential right now, that is the position that he's having at the moment and why he's being he's been given an opportunity to be on the field. Mm -hmm. Is it the right position? It is not. I agree with you completely. It is not the right position. But, but at the moment, it's depth chart. I mean, if you think about it, Bobby Wood's the only, if you want to say it, the real, really a true striker mm -hmm. up top in that 4-3-3, but Dempsey's in the middle of that 4-3-3. So, mm -hmm. You know, if you want to have someone like Zardes who's up and coming, and I guess the time when Dempsey is no longer on the national team, maybe Zardes moves in, or maybe we wait till we get to Josie Altador. And um, if he, well, if you don't mind me saying about Josie, let me just finish this off about Zardes once again. It is depth chart, unfortunately, but he is on the field. He's getting his minutes. Mm -hmm. And until someone is no longer going to be on this national team and or will retire from the national team, 
then you'll see Zardes move in as a true striker yeah. for the national team. But let me just say this about Josie Altidore. Now, let me just say I love Josie. Mm -hmm. You've seen him when he was coming up through with the Red Bulls. I've seen him coming up with the Red Bulls. And while you hoped he was going to do well in Europe outside of his single-season stint with AZ Akmar of the Eredivisie in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. let's be honest with ourselves right now. He's ruined. Yeah. And the, the reason why he's ruined is this. Villarreal, basically, for them, it's a drop of the bucket. Uh, the amount of money they tr they paid the league and the Red Bulls in the transfer market to bring Josie Altidore over. Yeah. Villarreal said they're going to loan him out to a second or third division club so he can get acclimated. Did they do that right off the bat? No, they did not. Yeah. And at the time, who was the manager of Villarreal? Yeah, I don't know. You have to tell me on that one. <laughs> he, he was the Manchester City manager in Pellegrini. Pellegrini barely used him and if he did have him on the bench he never got played maybe once or twice but pellegrini never used him properly villarreal never used josie properly and josie you know would always get called into the national team by bob bradley and you know while josie was scoring goals for the national team he wasn't getting proper minutes playing with villarreal i mean they basically scratched him every single time or if he did get a sniff of the substitutes bench his number would never get called Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, in, the, in his first year with Villarreal, all of a sudden, I think it was Okaxa who mm -hmm. they decided to loan him to loan him out towards. But Okaxa was looking to become, uh, or or some team like that, they were looking to get promoted to La Liga. Yeah. So uh, even though the the owner took him and the and the sporting director took him, the the manager for that club said, "No, nah, I'm not using him." Right. We're going to get on a promotion, uh, uh, you know, run here. I got to make sure we get promoted. Mm -hmm. Why are you bringing this guy in? Right. And obviously, you know, nothing happened there. And then he goes to Hull. Nothing happened over there. He goes to Turkey. Nothing happened. He finally goes to AZ Alkmaar where he wins a Dutch Cup. Um, barely missing out on the uh, Eva Diversity title mm -hmm. with AZ Alkmaar. Of course, he's paired up with Aaron Johansson. But then he goes to Sunderland, uh, Decaino, Decaino, uh, I can't even say his name properly. <laughs> the Lazio uh, superstar back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he brings him over and he can't do anything for Sunderland either. And, you know, he comes back to Major League Soccer, and that's fine. You know, whatever he wants to do is fine. Toronto want him. Come on back. But what has he done for Toronto? Nothing. Right. And mm -hmm. it's a shame because, like I said, he'll always be a New York Red Bull no matter what. That's where he grew up. We love mm -hmm. him. If he ever does come back, and maybe Jesse Marsh, if he does want to bring him back and, you know, maybe help him find his form, that would be great. And maybe he can start scoring goals again. But the truth of the matter is this. It is a shame, and I'm sorry to say this on my soapbox. Josie Altidore is ruined. If he does come back to the national team, I hope he'll be a lot better. But it's no more about his mentality. Is he fit enough, and is he not injury-prone enough to remain in the starting 11? That okay. is the big question right now. Absolutely. We actually talked about it on the last episode of uh, Red Bull Rant, uh, Yanks Go Marching Edition, Volume 1. Uh, that we, you know, Jersey Outdoor has been lapped right now. He's been lapped by Bobby Wood. Um, Bobby Wood, uh, you, you might, as much as I dislike Zard as a winger, 
I might even consider Zardes having lapped him as a if, as a striker. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. I mean, he he had such high hopes. Uh, you know, such stellar moments. I mean, if you think about back to the 2009 Confederation Cup against Spain, where he took that touch, just muscled. I forget which defender it was off off the ball and scored that goal. I mean, it was. It was a hell of a moment. And how'd you think if this kid was going to be somebody? Um, and look, there are late bloomers. And I said this on the last episode. There are late bloomers like Chris, Wa- Chris Wondolowski. It's possible someday he can resurrect his national team career. Um, but I think, you you know, you hit it on the nail on the head. I, I, think, I think the environment he went into Europe at the time was also far less, um, you know, friendly to the United States players. It's still not great now, but I think, you know, players like – DeAndre Yedlin had that opportunity to go to a lower team uh, almost immediately and star, you know, and now look at him. He's he's far better than he was a year ago. Um, hopefully Matt Miazga will get that same opportunity. Um, so it's unfortunate, you know, that that happened. Um, but you, I guess you can only hope he can, you know, I think going into this season, he was fit. He was fitter than ever before. If you'd seen some, seen him play in the preseason and early match, like he was very thin. He was the thinnest he's ever been. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. But, but right now, injuries have certainly been a problem now for the better part of two years, going back to the World Cup of 2014. Um, so you can only hope it gets right. But, I mean, right now there are guys ahead of him, without a doubt. Absolutely. Like, just to talk about DeAndre Yedlin for a moment, I really hope Sunderland does buy his contract. Uh, while Tottenham, I know, they loaned him out to Sunderland. The truth of the matter is this. I think Sunderland needs – DeAndre Yedlin more than yeah. what Tottenham does. Because the truth is this, Tottenham only brought him over for depth. That's it. Mm-hmm. Sure, they loaned him out. But you know what? He's a starter for a club side right now. And mm-hmm. Sunderland needs players. So for Sunderland, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you better contact Tottenham and tell them we want to purchase DeAndre Yedlin because he's a perfect fit for them. Uh, he's fantastic up the right side of the field. Whether he's a midfielder or a defender, it doesn't matter. He's going to bring that ball up. He's definitely going to cross that ball. He is absolutely going to destroy opponents uh, in the upcoming season. Now, I don't know if Sunderland uh, remained up in the Premier League, but obviously if they are still in the Premier League, Sunderland, I'm telling you right now, DeAndre Yedlin is going to eat them all up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They did survive, so there you go. <laughs> uh, they did survive the uh, the relegation battle. Uh, but, you know, Bouncing off from DeAndre Edlin, I think, you know, we've, we've talked a bit about what Klinsman still could work on, what the U.S. national team could still work on. But one thing that he finally seems to have gotten right, and it's paying dividends, is he settled on a back line. Uh, he settled on a center back tandem uh, with both Fabian Johnson and DeAndre Edlin on the wing. And I think it looks magnificent. I think it's, it's, it's the strongest part of this team. John Brooks, uh, you know – we were all torching him last year for the goal, his performance in the Gold Cup. Obviously, some of that had to do with his partner, Ventara Alvarado, who was clearly not ready for the national uh, the national program and is not back in it at this point, if that should sh- uh, show you something. Uh, but his pairing with Jeff Cameron has been phenomenal. And the two wingbacks have been excellent. I mean, I know there's a lot of criticism that Fabian Johnson's best position is on the wing, and I 100% agree. But unfortunately, I think he's the best left back the United States has. And I agree with you there. Fabian Johnson should remain as a left back for the United States. I know he wants to be in the midfield, but the truth of the matter is this. His tracking back is phenomenal. I, I like Fabian Johnson as a left fullback. 
Uh, there's no way they should ever, ever let him move up. I know people want DeAndre Yedlin in the mid, in the midfield right wing position uh, on the national team, but the truth of the matter is, is that DeAndre Yedlin started off as a right fullback as well. So either position he's not unfamiliar with, and he can move the ball up anytime he wants. That's the truth of the matter. So I think you're correct. Your fullback should always be DeAndre Yedlin on the right and Fabian Johnson on the left. Let's be honest here. No one was able to replace Steve Chirundolo up till this point in Fabian Johnson. So yeah. right there and then, that's a fantastic uh, thing for them. Jeff Cameron, uh, veteran back uh, center back. You know the truth of the matter is this: you can interplace, or at least you know, you know, you can probably put Steve Birnbaum instead yeah. of Jeff Cameron, or have Cameron with Birnbaum, and you can leave Brooks on the bench. Either way. I like what Steve Birnbaum is doing. Yes, I know. Shoot me now. DC United. But, still, <laughs> let's be, but let's be honest with ourselves. When there's a player coming from DC United and he's getting an opportunity for the national team, you have to at least acknowledge that this guy can absolutely do the job as a center back. And look, yeah. Steve Birnbaum can fit in if Cameron gets hurt or you want to give Cameron a rest. Same thing about John Brooks. If you want to put Birnbaum in there and let Brooks get a rest, that's fine. John Brooks, he has grown up. You see him playing in one of the toughest leagues in all of Europe, in the Bundesliga in Germany. And obviously knowing that Bundesliga very well, Brooks is able to go out there and to perform at a high level. Matt Miazga right now, here's my worry about him. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, he wanted to be in Europe now. I yep. felt he should have stayed with the Red Bulls this year, maybe till the summer window, because mm -hmm. obviously – I'm a little worried. I know there's going to be a new manager in Conte, Antonio Conte, leaving the Italian national team after the Euros and managing Chelsea. Um, you know, the worriness that I have with Conte or any manager who's managing Chelsea, obviously, Gus Hedink yanked him after a bad goal that, uh, he, could, that he allowed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would be the last time you see of Matt Miazga Americans can play this game. You have to give them an opportunity. You can't just be one and done and that's it. Yeah. Matt Miazga has the ability. Yet I feel that he should have remained here mm -hmm. in MLS for his final year. And if the Red Bulls would have lost him, fine. The Red Bulls would have lost him. But if you would have put him into the summer transfer window, or if he would have said, listen, I'm going to stay with you guys for the first four months of the season till the summer window mm -hmm. and then transfer me out. That way, he is still up to speed on playing because let's be honest with ourselves. When he left in the winter window to go to Chelsea, they were already towards the end of their season. There was no way he was going to get an opportunity. Maybe one or two games. But other than that, that was it. Yeah. Matt Miazga, in my opinion, should have remained here till the summer window, and then he would have been transferred to start a season in the Premier League in Chelsea. And, uh, and then we would have seen what maybe Conte thought about him. But that's my worry right now with American players. Yeah. Are they going to get a real fair shot, Pat? And if they're not, Absolutely. and if they're not going to get a fair shot, then why should they go to the top clubs in the Premier League? Well, let's be honest. They should be thinking about clubs in the championship, Football League One or Football League Two. Sure, you're not going to get the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the spotlight on you in England. But if you're doing well and you're getting a, a, a real opportunity – to go out there and shine, then maybe a Premier League team will say, how about that American? How about mm -hmm. that Yank? How's he looking? Oh, yeah? Let's transfer him over. So that's all I'm saying because sometimes the bright lights of the Premier League can really uh, 
put an American player back on the chopping block, if you know what I mean. And uh, obviously, example one, Breck Shea. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. All, yeah. He, he absolutely, you know, he got he got lost in the ether really quickly going to Stoke. Um, but, you know, you brought up an interesting point about Matt Miazga. I mean, I do think he will get loaned out probably to Premier League side. Uh, how about this scenario for you? DeAndre Yedlin stays at Sunderland. And Matt Miazga slides in right next to him with center back on a loan next season. How, how, how do you, what do you think of that scenario? I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, the more the merrier because the truth of the matter is this. We need to see our players get a true fair chance in Europe, especially in England. Because once again, if you're not a keeper, if you're not a defensive midfielder, if you're not a defender, that means – you're not going to get a fair shot. Mm -hmm. And once again, it's always the attacking play. I mean, Landon Donovan would have gotten a fair shot Absolutely, if he yeah. would have stayed over in Everton, but obviously MLS wanted them back. So, yeah. Yeah, Go figure. Exactly. They want their star back. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. But once again, uh, you know, this is another big test for the United States, Pat. Pan uh, Paraguay yes. is no pushover. Nope. Let's, let, let's be – I think we all – went a little bit bonkers after the loss against Colombia. Look, mm -hmm. Colombia is a team that was coming on the rise. Mm -hmm. Colombia, of course, with Jaime Rodriguez and everyone else that's on there, you know, after what happened in 94 in that World Cup with, of course, Andres Escobar being shot and, of course, uh, the, the mechanism, the financial means that every club in Colombia had uh, back then, you know, hey, listen, <laughs> if your club wins this match in the Colombian Cup or in the uh, Copa Libertadores, mm -hmm. you know what they win, but we're not going to go there. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, seeing them getting up there uh, against Colombia, you knew it was going to be a long day. Now, did they play great? Not all the way, but you know what? They tried, and that's yeah. all you can really ask from the United States. Were, did Colombia let them play the ball out of the back and then stop them at the uh, at their area? Yes. Colombia allowed the United States to play with the ball, and they frustrated the USA to no end. And sadly, that frustration went into the free kicks, went to the corner kicks, went into situational play. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, no one got sent off, but still, at the same time, Colombia was the better side no matter what. Mm-hmm. Could Absolutely. they have played a little bit better? True. But still, Colombia's a better side. Paraguay, once again, this is still a good side. Did they play their best? Absolutely not. But once again, Paraguay is still a very, very dangerous side. They have their backs to the wall. They know what to do because they still have that point. Mm -hmm. If they beat the United States, they're going to leapfrog them. If it's a draw, the United States will eliminate Paraguay, and then you have to hope – that Colombia takes out Costa Rica because they have the point. Yeah. But then again, the goal difference might have saved the United States because they have a plus two. Um, and while Costa Rica has nil, still you don't want Costa Rica to smell blood in the water. So it's important for the United States to win this match mm -hmm. on Saturday afternoon, excuse me, Saturday evening down in Philly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, this is a game – the U.S. cannot look past it. There's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think we've, we've seen Paraguay now play both teams well. They couldn't get any goals against Costa Rica, who the U.S. got four against. But they did get one against Colombia, which the U.S. got zero against. Now, some of that has to do with some fantastic defensive stops and saves by Colombia in that match. 
Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it would not be, it would be smart for the U.S. to kind of expect Paraguay to come out swinging much like Costa Rica did, because as you said, they need that win. You know, they can't draw and they very much expect to escape this group as much as we do. You know, there might be a Paraguayan podcast being recorded at this exact same moment saying the exact same thing that we're going to say, oh yeah, I expect this to advance, you know? Um, you know, so the, the U.S. definitely needs to be aware of uh, that that uh, issue. I, now, I think they should, you know, mitigate that, figure out how Paraguay is going to play, and then respond. You know, whether that be defending counter, whether that be uh, high press, whatever. They need to just figure out, feel the game out, and respond. And then I absolutely think they need to go for that win early. I mean, Costa Rica does have to make up a hell of a goal district differential, which they probably will not do against Colombia. Um, you know, Colombia's already qualified, and I, they cannot be uh, dethroned as the top group, top team in the group. So they will have that first seed no matter what. Um, so they can certainly play soft, but I, I don't see Costa Rica uh, getting on top of them and for six, five, six goals, however many it is that they would need to should the United States tie. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, then I think the big question I, I kind of teased earlier in the show is – do you rest Jermaine Jones and Clint Dempsey and save him for the knockout round? I mean, like, you know, because it's certainly not a guarantee that the United States will beat Paraguay. But at the same time, you have two guys who over over the age of 30 uh, could you certainly use rest. You've got, like we, we mentioned, Graham Zussi on the bench. We mentioned, uh, you know, Christian Pulisic, Darlington Nagby. There are very quality players uh, who could potentially take their spots uh, and still produce a result against Paraguay? Uh, what do you think? Would you would you change up the lineup? Or do you think, hey, this is working? Let's not mess with it. I think as of right now, you're going to have to keep it as is. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm saying, though. During the match, maybe when you get to halftime, mm -hmm. if you feel, or if Jurgen Klinsmann feels that this match is in the bag, meaning you've got at least another two goal, three goal lead at halftime. Mm. maybe you make some substitutions at halftime or mm. after a good 10, 15 minutes into the second half, then you make some substitutions. Mm -hmm. But I would not mind if they put in Nagby and to at least let him get a start. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't do well, you can always sub him out at half because mm -hmm. you don't want to miss out on an opportunity to get to the quarterfinals of the Copa America. Because, once again, this is very important. If you would have had a point against Colombia to start the Copa America, truth be told, then you can maybe tinker a little bit more in the final group match against Paraguay. Mm -hmm. I have a funny feeling Klinsman will not tinker. Mm -hmm. He's going to remain as is, a 4-3-3, same players you're going to see. Depending on what the score is, if he's going to start subbing some people out, because they're up by two, up by three, and you see Paraguay, okay, that's it. We wave the white towel, we're waving the white flag. That's when you're going to see a change. Other than that, I don't see a change, period. You're going to see Jurgen Klinsmann with the same starting 11, the same 4-3-3. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and I, I think you're probably right. I, I really do because, uh, I mean, this is unusual Klinsmann form. He is not – he does not – I think fans are not used to seeing him seeing him play the same lineup. 
uh, in two consecutive games. Uh, it'll be a miracle if he plays it through three consecutive games. Um, but yeah, I, as much as I want to tinker, uh, you know, really, if I had faith that if Jones and Dempsey reach four years younger, I would still do Zussi or Pulisic over Zardes. I don't see that happening, uh, regardless. Um, but you know, it, it's and and I think unfortunately, Deuce especially, uh, he's just too valuable. Even at the age of thirty-three, he's too valuable on the field. He's too dangerous. He's too much of a bulldog that'll get in your face, get in your grill, and uh, it changes games. And um, you know, it, it's someday. The U.S. is going to have to have that hard conversation of who do we replace Dempsey, who do we replace Jones with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, right now in the middle of the tournament, it's definitely uh, probably not the case. Probably not. But still, though, uh, until that moment comes, we'll have to wait and see what Klinsman will do. And at the same time, uh, is Klinsman going to remain as head coach for another World Cup cycle for 2022? Oh, <laughs> hashtag dollar signs Qatar dollar signs and hashtag. But anyway, um, the, tr- the truth is we're gonna have to wait and see. I mean, will Klinsman remain as head coach, or will he uh, uh, remain as technical director? Or will he leave both positions? We'll have to wait and see. But because right now, uh, you know, Klinsman, you you really hope he's really found uh, the right chemistry and the right bunch of players to go forward and to uh, at least try to go deep into the knockout stages of this uh, Copa America tournament. Let's not forget, there's still got two more matches left to qualify for the hexagonal mm-hmm. round for the hex, and then you have those 10 matches to see if you're going to qualify for Russia 2018. So it's a big question mark right now, and uh, let's all hope that for, uh, you know, for Klinsman, he has the right answers. Now, I asked my uh, co-host last week this question. This was, I asked him before Sunil Gulati came out and did not give the strongest vote of confidence for Jurgen Klinsmann going into the Costa Rica match, um, saying this would be the first time he really said results on the field matter. I mean, it's the first time he came out. It wasn't extraordinarily strong, but it was a bit strongly worded uh, response to the question about, you know, how Klinsmann is doing, how the safety of Klinsmann's job if the United States loses on Saturday and fails to advance to knock out round, does Klinsman finally lose his job as a United States national head team coach? Pat, I want to thank you very much for the rhetorical question. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Honestly, though, I know you're, I, I know Sunil had to talk tough. Uh, the question is this. Were those words true? That's the big question there. Were those words true? Because if so, then honestly, Jurgen Klinsmann should be on the firing uh, block. He should be on the chopping block right now mm-hmm. if he loses to Paraguay. His head should be on the chopping block, and uh, the long guillotine shall yeah. <laughs> be landing on the German's skull and neck. But the truth of the matter is this. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, really don't know if he's going to get fired. Because let's be honest, it's not a World Cup. Mm. If this was a World Cup, then maybe, maybe it's over. Mm -hmm. But right now, I have no idea. I have no clue. And uh, But in all reality, if this was England, 
if this was Venezuela, if this was Brazil, if this was Argentina, Mexico, he would have been gone in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. This is the U.S. Soccer Federation. Mm -hmm. He's getting every single lifeline available to him because the truth is this. The World Cup is the biggest one mm -hmm. where you could get fired if you don't get out of the group stage. Mm -hmm. So right there and then, I don't know. And yeah. I'm afraid that's my answer. I really don't know. I, I think if they lose, and I certainly hope they don't. Um, of course not. We don't want to see them lose. You know, it, it's if they lose, I think this is the most this is the this would be the time it has the biggest possibility because prior to this Galati's response would be usually muted he'd be like oh it's not about one game we see the bigger picture blah blah blah, blah. this is the first time he's kind of come out somewhat strongly saying well we need to evaluate everything and we need to take all the games into context because the US for the better part of two years has been pretty lousy um, under Jurgen Klinsmann, um, you know, but but you know, at the same time, Tuesday night's win was very much like the Klinsmann era. When his back is against the wall, his team performs. Yep. Now, what it is he does in that time? I have no idea, but he does seem to do something when his back is against the wall. So maybe that's just maybe that's also Galati playing mind games. If I let if I have this guy thinking he's going to lose his job. He's going to perform at his best, and it's very possible that's that could be what's happening here. Exactly, and that's the one thing I believe uh, is also troubling because your back should not be against the wall. You should go into a match like uh, against Colombia, an up-and-coming side that showed a lot in the World Cup in Brazil two years ago, two summers ago, that they are going to definitely be uh, you know a force to reckon with, and. You know, while you can play, and it's not a shame to lose to a team like Colombia. It's not a shame to lose to them. The way you lose to them is a shame because, you know, people think you're not going to play at your best, that maybe uh, maybe there were some nerves. I mean, you know, look, Jeff Cameron got picked. There's nothing you can do about that. you mm -hmm. got to try to help him out either to help him cover that player who converted the corner uh, chance or, you know, at least get him a backup because – he did lose his man, and he went the long way around, and he got beat. And DeAndre Yedlin, as great as he has been, you know, what did he do? He put his arm in an in a unnatural position. Mm -hmm. He tucks in his left arm inside his right under armpit, and his right arm is out there, and it, it touched the, it, the ball hit him in the hand because his hand was in an unnatural position. Mm -hmm. That's a penalty. I understand the whole hand-to-ball, ball-to-hand situation, but still. He put his arm out there expecting the ball to hit him. Yeah. Yep. And, Absolutely. you know, uh, you're going to get called for a penalty for that. All right. So before we move on to a little bit more, uh, what are you predicting for Saturday? It's going to be a tight one. I think Paraguay is going to play the U.S. tough. But I see the United States winning this one. And like I said, it's going to be a tight one. I could see this as a 2-1 victory for the United States. I think they'll get their two goals, and then Paraguay will uh, pull one back late, and it'll be too little too late for Paraguay to do anything. So I'll say 2-1 U.S. I predict I'm going to sweat my ass off in the <laughs> upper deck. 
in the upper deck uh, there at Lincoln Financial Field, and I'm going to go with a one-one draw. Um, you know, but I do think the United States will advance. Um, so, considering that, so let's have happy times now. Sweaty bum time, eh, Pat? <laughs> oh, big time! I'm going to sweat my. I'm going to be biting my nails the whole time. Uh, Is Truman going to be with you? Truman is not. No, it's a, oh. a a bunch of other fans who are like casual soccer fans at best. So hopefully they can get into a national team game. Maybe I can convert them. We'll see. Um, but assuming the United States advances uh, right now, uh, Group B is quite wide open. Uh, you know, the the big fear was that no matter you know, by and large, going to this tournament, everyone thought the U.S. was going to finish second place at best in Group A, and uh, you know, and they would more than likely go on to face Brazil. Right. right now, Group B is wide open. It could be Ecuador. It could be Peru. It could be Brazil. It could be any three of those teams the United States plays. Um, how, do you have a preference who they might end up against, or does anyone scare you particularly more than the one, one more than the other? Let me say yes. I want the U.S. to play Peru. <laughs> Let's be honest here with ourselves right now. Is this the greatest Brazilian uh, side that's in this Copa America? Absolutely not. But it's not about the greatest Brazilian sides that's going to be in this Copa America tournament. It is about Brazil, no matter who is on the field. It doesn't matter whether it's Danny Alves, Ronaldinho, Pele, mm-hmm. Ronaldo, Dunga, who's going to be managing this team, uh, Carlos Silva, you know, um, it doesn't matter who's on this team wearing the yellow lemon shirts and the green trim. Mm-hmm. They are always dangerous. Mm-hmm. And when you saw back in the 2009 uh, Confederations Cup final, the United States had a two-goal lead into halftime. Dempsey and Landon Donovan made it 2-0. Mm-hmm. And while it was exciting to watch them take a lead against Brazil, the truth of the matter is this. You knew what was coming. And no matter how many times the Brazilians look at you and they say to you, so it looks like the uh, United States is going to beat us this time. And I said to the guy, no, 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 no. <laughs> you are not getting me into a false sense of confidence mm-hmm. because this is still Brazil. This is still Brazil, no matter who is on the team, because everyone wants to win a title, whether it is a league title uh, FA, like a, a Brazilian Cup title for the national team, it's Confederations Cup title, the Copa America title, or the World Cup itself. Brazilians know how to play well. Mm-hmm. They know how to handle a little adversity, except for when they got destroyed by Germany, mm-hmm. because that was at home, and they were shell-shocked that they were getting destroyed at home. Yeah. So all I can say is, is this. I'm, I, I did not expect Brazil not to come back. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for them to come back. The only question was, when was the comeback going to start? And everyone knew after t- five, ten minutes in that second half, the comeback was on when the first goal was put into the back of the net. Mm-hmm. That, that is why Brazil is so dangerous, yeah. because they are dangerous. Just because Neymar is not there does not mean that Brazil is less of a dangerous side. They are more of a dangerous side when they are a complete team. If Dunga changes his tactic, let's just say for the heck of it, it is USA versus Brazil. And let's just say, you know, Dunga, for the hell of it, decides to change up tactics, Mm -hmm. which he never does. He's a stickler for what he wants. 
But if he changes tactics, maybe the USA has a chance. Right. The only way the USA has a chance against Brazil is when it's nil-nil and you're closer to the 90th minute and then you put one away and you beg and pray stoppage time is no less than one or two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if it's three or four minutes of stoppage time in the second half, Brazil will get the chance to punish you. Yeah. yeah you know, it's. I think the United States has a chance against all three. That being said, I, I very, very much agree with you on Brazil. I think this is one of the weakest Brazil teams we've seen in a while. Um, but at the same time, the United States played, I think, a Brazilian B team a year or two ago in a friendly, and they got destroyed. Now, this was, of course, in the midst of the, the worst time in American soccer in the Klinsman where they just weren't winning anything. But it's still something to worry about. I mean, Brazil, United, whether it's a stigma, what, who knows? But, you know, Brazil still carries that weight of we're Brazil. You know, we're going to beat you, um, especially when it comes to the United States. So uh, I think I'm with you. I'd much rather see Peru, most of all. Ecuador would be another possibility. Um, you know, Ecuador certainly has the easy game against Haiti. Uh, we'll see what Peru can do against uh, Brazil. Um, but, yeah. yeah. The thing is, I mean, I guess the, the one plus fans can take away is if Brazil does win the group, it is the weakest Brazil team we've seen in a while. But once again, and I think you pretty much, you know, set it out, do not sleep on Brazil. Never no, sleep on Brazil. Absolutely. <laughs> never, ever sleep on Brazil. It doesn't matter how good, how great, how poor, how terrible they are. Mm-hmm. Brazil has more quality in their pinky than anyone else combined because they are gonna run you over and they will do so. I mean, obviously Haiti, that was a, that was a blowout no matter what. That, that was gonna be a blowout no matter what. But the United States is a solid opponent that will test them. But at the same time, you cannot sleep on Brazil. If you have a lead, you gotta play it straight up. And even if they do score on you, don't feel like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Go back out there and try to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I think we pretty much covered everything there is on USA Soccer. Uh, we actually, right now, we have Jamaica and Mexico on. It looks like Jamaica's giving Mexico a game thir- uh, 14 minutes in. Uh, we'll see how that turns out, though. Um, so before we get out of there, you got any uh, last words, Dan? Yes, I got last words. Do not sleep on Paraguay and do not sleep on Brazil if you do face them in the quarterfinals. But let's see what Jamaica can do and maybe throw a monkey wrench into Mexico's plans. Yeah, absolutely. This will be an interesting one to see. Yes, uh, All righty. Uh, for myself and Dan Porestine, this has been Red Bull Rant Yanks Go Marching Edition Volume 2. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. And as always, go United States. Go USA!